for real. Oh, really? That's how you feel. And the guys be like, asking all them questions. Asking all them questions. Why you asking all them questions? Making statements. Uh, how was your day? Tony Lundquist alongside Ryan Eldridge for episode seven of the Misinterpreted Podcast. Lucky number seven. Lucky number seven. In it, what? In what culture did that begin? Lucky number seven. Do you know? I I wouldn't know. I know in Asian cultures, there's a lot more lucky numbers than unlucky was, numbers. Isn't Friday the thirteenth really lucky in in Chinese culture? I don't know about that, but I know that nine is a really lucky number. Hmm. I believe seven's a lucky number. Eight, I believe, is a lucky number as yeah, they're well. They're just lucky people. What can you say? <laughs> I mean, look at their success and they're, they're doctors, they're lawyers. Very interesting. What's not the hate? All right, Ryan, I, I do have an off topic question before we dive into this thing. How sure. many meats on a sandwich is too many meats? Ooh, that, that, that's a tough question. I, I don't want to. You know, be a hypocrite. When I go to Jersey Mike's, I get their super sub, which is, I believe, five different types oh, of meats. Oh my god! You got like I think I believe it's like, you know, you got your ham, you got your salami, you got your pepperoni, you got a couple more. But I'd say four plus. You're starting to hit the limit. Yeah, I think anything over three is just too much. Yeah, I think three you can really play off flavor profiles, and then beyond that, you're just clashing. Are, are you a fan of the one meat? I am like a like a like a big corned beef or a pastrami sandwich. Well, I would never go with corned beef, pastrami all the way. Pastrami for sure. I think you get a nice pastrami and a little par- parmesan oregano. No, 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 Reggiano. 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 Yes. Reggiano. I think you just go with that. A little olive oil, salt, pep. Boom. Yeah. I mean, you can't go wrong with it. A pastrami sandwich from New York goes a long way. You just came back from Texas. I sure did. If you were to describe Texas in one word, what would it be? Who? Hmm. Can I get two? You get two one word answers, or is that two word phrase? No, it's it's like a it's like an adverb and then an adjective. No, just go for it then. Okay, you're already taking too much time to think about it. Well, I didn't have anything planned. I'll go with gaudily reserved. Like everything is on a large scale, but it's also it's. it's Decept- you know, every- it's deceptive. I think it's I think it's deceptively reserved, right? You say like everything's bigger in Texas, and sure, there are certainly gaudy parts of it, but I mean, it's it's definitely like a reserved, chill vibe. I think that's definitely the case in San Antonio, at least where I was. Yeah, I'm I'm surprised very I hear key. I'm surprised I hear that because yeah. you, you hear, you know, in the culture, they're very gun ho, very proud of that saying. Everything's bigger in Texas, right? right. So I, I'm surprised I hear that. You know coming out of your mouth but maybe San Antonio isn't a good representation of the rest of rest of the state. I, I will knows? say I will say though um, completely contrary to what I just said. San Antonio Spurs were playing the Warriors in the Alamo Dome and they were losing Was that was they, that the game that was like 70,000 tickets? Yeah, close was to that one. Yeah. And Spurs lost by 40, and they still sent up fireworks in the city. <laughs> so that was, <laughs> I don't know what you can say about that. All right, anyway, it is Super Wild Card Weekend. First question is, why would you even add Super to it? Why is that? Why? What's the point of that? Why can't it just be Wild Card Weekend? I've been treating it like just normal Wild Card Weekend. We got six games instead of four. 
much, you know, that's an improvement, more games, more the merrier. More the games, add super to it. Right on, yeah. And then it's like your contracts, right? You just have a max contract, now you have a super max. And once that max goes up again, you got to get a super super duper max. (laughs) Super duper max. (laughs) So looking forward to that with the NFL as well. The super duper wildcard weekend coming to you, you know, when we inevitably expand as well. 2031. (laughs) <laughs> it'll, it'll be there when every team makes the playoffs. So we call it the super duper um, college football playoff. Oh, it, it could that could very well be the super college football playoff. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Expanded twelve teams. Why not? Okay, uh, first game that happened was our home team, Seattle Seahawks. Blech. Yeah, to think that I thought we had a chance to win that game, and for a half. You know, I was definitely on the edge of my seat, and then the second half, they absolutely pulled through. This entire wildcard weekend up to this point, I think it's, you know, we, we really separated the contenders and the pretenders, and the Seahawks are definitely one of the pretenders mm-hmm. uh, that from this week, and, and we see that even though we made that last wildcard spot that, you know, the Seattle team has so much to, you know, improve on. I have some stats for you here. So we know that the San Francisco 49ers are the best defense in the NFL. And and that definitely shown, especially with that front four and that front seven that they have there. You know, Nick Bosa leading the charge, but also Fred Warner. A lot of role players that do their part on that front seven as well. Kenneth Walker, who rushed for a thousand yards this, you know, this in his rookie season. And the city of Seattle getting behind him all the way. Only 63 yards. 4.2 4.2 average, and when you have to throw as much as the Seahawks needed to behind against that defense that was getting so much pressure on him all game, you're not going to find any success. O-line going to be really important going into this offseason, into the draft, and in free agency. Yeah, I think the the question for the Seahawks, obviously, is what do you do with Geno Smith? I think you give him a one-year contract. Outside of that, I don't, I don't think you can... You can promise anything to him it really depends on how much he's he's asking for if he he's asking more than five million you know seven million i don't don't know how much the inflation has gone up for one year veterans right to to be fair though he did set the franchise record for passing yards and passing touchdowns in a season in a a 17 game season of course but an unbelievable year for him and and the completion percentage as well that's not you know 16 games 17 games it's an an average stat um but yeah, I I think if we don't keep him, Drew Locke will be fine back there. Where Seattle Seahawks fans, I think we can take a step up next year. I think need to hold their expectations in check a little bit because there's just so much holes that need to be filled, especially on the defensive side of the ball and the defensive line. They were ranked, uh, I want to say, 31st in run defense. That might have improved since week 16, week 17 when I last saw the stat. Definitely bottom five and. You know, this week, it wasn't so much that run defense. Christian McCaffrey, he had a 68-yard touchdown. But outside of that, he only went 14 carries for 51 yards, Mm -hmm. which is not the best average. You're you're looking at less than four yards per carry on that. But we saw that that defensive line on pass plays wasn't able to get any pressure on Brock Purdy. Brock Purdy was wildly inconsistent in that first half and once he was able to get into that second half get his legs under him he was able to you know find his routes and with the defensive line not able to get pressure on Purdy we saw that he was able to get that deep in route from the slot and have that play develop when you run that 3-4 zone that 4-3 zone whatever the Seahawks want to play on a given 
given set. When you give that much time for a player like Debo Samuel, for a player like Brandon Ayuk, even Kittle goes into that slot a lot, where he's able to go through multiple zones in his progression, you, you can't expect these linebackers to switch off on receivers, especially of that caliber, for three, four, five seconds. And I think that was the difference maker in that game. Brock Purdy eventually was able to find that throw, and that throw was their all game. And I think that really stems from that defensive line not being able to get any pressure. Yeah, I mean, it certainly hurts them. But, I mean, the reason – I mean, last time we talked about uh, this 49ers team, we were doing playoff picture predictions, and I had them going all the way. <laughs> and I was a little nervous there for a little bit, and then they finally showed up and, and got a few turnovers, and, and that's really been the, the identity of their defense for the whole season. And that's really the only reason why I took them in. And, you know, if Brock Purdy can throw for over 300 yards and three touchdowns, like I know it's against not one of the best defenses in the playoffs left with, with the Seahawks, but he just doesn't make mistakes. I mean, he's thrown I mean, what, he's like six, two yeah. two interceptions since he became a starter in six games? Yeah, he, he's 6-0. Six six and and oh. he, he's so smart with the ball. And, I mean, obviously he's getting all this media attention now, but... Dude was slept on. He was a third string coming into the season, and finally gets his <laughs> gets his chance. My God, the kid can sling it. Yeah, they have big questions on who. Well, I don't know if it's going to be a big question mark, but they have Trey Lance, who's going to be back from injury. Jimmy G still is in, you know, that depth chart as well. Do you, you know, questions going into next season? Do you stick with, you know, Trey Lance, who you gave up an arm and a leg for, or do you go with? Brock Purdy, who has shown that he can be successful on the field, it it's a tough pill to swallow when you gave up that much for Trey Lance, who, for me personally, had a lot of question marks, and certainly a lot of the NFL fan base and the 49er fan base in, in particular. Um, but yeah, Brock Purdy doing it all. And, you know, this, like I said, I think this weekend showed who the contenders were, who the pretenders were. I think some of the teams that won might be pretenders as well going you know as we go into the next week of of uh, of the postseason but the 49ers definitely prove that they are contenders and that they deserve to you know be in that upper echelon that elite category of teams and it wasn't that far ago that long ago when they were you know on the bottom of the nfc west yeah. it, that turnaround has yeah. been absolutely insane couple so seasons quick. yeah i mean they were way high when they made the super bowl with the ravens and then kind of fell off a cliff there for a little bit and right back where they were yeah. it's unbelievable yeah, how, how this, yeah. yeah it, roller just, coaster it was like just like that like you just flip a switch and then, it's what a defense does although when you look back at that super bowl team they had the same kind of defense turnover margin heavy then they fell off a cliff this year, they were plus 13 on the season, led the league in turnovers, in uh, margin. If you look back at it, since 2016, teams with a double-digit turnover margin in a season have seen an average decrease of 10.5 in the turnover margin for the following season. So, if, I don't know, I don't want to say too much, but if you're looking at future bets for next season... I don't think the 49ers are that much of contenders. Yeah, we'll have to see because obviously that stat goes against everything that you would expect out of a team. And we were talking about how that might be contract issues when you have that many good players on a team to force that such a high turnover margin. 
that you know you're going to have to sign a lot of people to big contracts. A lot of those players leave, uh, so I don't personally know who they have on contract on both sides of the ball. I know that Nick Bosa is going to be there for a little while, but outside of that, you know, if they have a couple years of players on their rookie contracts, a couple on their second contracts, you know, we could see them be contenders for one or two years before maybe they need to unload and reset. We don't see that many dynasties in football now that I'm no. starting to realize. No. And keeping a team together for so long, like, you know, the Golden State Warriors and the NBA is just so much harder in the NFL, especially because you see these players, they know their shelf life is short. Right. And they're, so they have to go for the bag when they have that opportunity right. and set, set up, you know, their future and their, you know, their children's future and their, their children's children. So, yeah, definitely a couple years of of dominance from the 49ers before they might need a reset. Well, if you if you do look at it, a team that has kind of a, a bigger window these days, it's the young quarterbacks of Justin Herbert and Trevor Lawrence who went toe-to-toe in that second game on Saturday. And what a barn burner that was. 27-0, the Chargers go up, and then Jacksonville rips off a 31-3 to run to finish it off and, and win it at the buzzer. Unbelievable. Trevor Lawrence with four touchdowns. I mean, you talk about a future. Jacksonville's got it. Yeah, this is going to be a defining game for Trevor Lawrence. He's been a winner at all levels, at the high school le- level. I believe he lost three games, none in the regular season. He's never home. lost on a Saturday. Yeah. Still. Yes. yes. <laughs> to this day. Unreal. It's, it's crazy to think about. Only lost on Friday in high school and then... Uh, did not he? He lost in the playoffs you know, when he was at Clemson. But this is going to be a defining day for Trevor Lawrence, who he has a lot of doubters going into the season. He was the worst team. He was on the worst team in the NFL last season. But when you're a winner, as he as he is at, at so many different levels, he's just going to find a way to win games. And this is a little bit of a side note, but I think. After they won that game, we can put Urban Meyer as one of the worst NFL yes. head coaches yes. in history. Yes, to go from I believe one in fifteen, if my memory serves me correctly, the uh, number yep. one pick, yep. and now into the second round of the playoffs. Yep. Wow, what a turnaround by and, the Jacksonville and, and what a good coach Doug Peterson is. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, Super Bowl winning coach, and that was the exact coach they needed. With with, the, with an Eagles team with a similar profile, they when they won their Super Bowl, they weren't necessarily the favorites going into yeah, it. They had to play in the wild. They had to play in the wild card yeah. weekend. Yeah, so. no, I mean that's crazy. But I mean, <laughs> that game was wild, and that kind of set up the the tone for the first couple games that we've seen today on on Saturday or on Sunday rather. Like two games go way over. Juggernaut defenses, but their offenses turn up as well. Young quarterbacks getting the job done with Brock Purdy, Trevor Lawrence on the first day. And then you turn it over to today and you see the Bills do it with Josh Allen, who's still young, people forget. Yeah. Yeah. Josh Allen, you know, we'll talk about Josh Allen in a second, but I think, you know, that Chargers Jacksonville game was so crazy that. We have to, you know, dive a little bit deeper into that one. Jacksonville with a minus five turnover margin in that game. Four yeah. picks in the yeah. first half by Lawrence and then also the muff punt, which mm-hmm. nets like sixty plus yards on a turnover for for the Chargers. And they go into halftime, I believe, up was it twenty seven it was twenty seven seven. At one point they were up twenty seven zero. Yep. 
We saw a fan on DraftKings put a one million dollar bet. What? Like, to, what are you doing? To make ten thousand dollars, and you absolutely gotta be just depressed I after mean, making that bet. <laughs> and, and then you make that bet. You know, ten times you expect to probably win ten times, but every single time you make that bet, you're always you know sweating yourself when you're watching that game because no margin is going to be enough to, you know, to, to feel safe with a million dollars on a line. You gotta hurt for him. The bookies absolutely loving it, DraftKings. But like I said, minus five turnover margin in the first half, and you found me some stats. These are from two thousand nine, so. The stats may be a little different, but they should carry over to this year. Uh, with a turnover margin of zero, you have a 50% chance of winning. Obviously, it's going to be a coin flip there. And with minus one, you have goes down all the way to 28.5%, so already minus 20% with minus one turnover uh, and the turnover margin. And then once you go down to minus four in 2019, not a single team won with a minus four turnover margin. Yeah. Jacksonville with minus five, and they were able to get the job done in the second half. And I have a lot of questions about this LA Chargers, you know, their offensive scheme. We saw that Eckler this year had the most touchdowns from scrimmage out of any player in the NFL, only getting 13 carries. And again, when you're up by 27 points, you have to give the ball to your best player. Justin Herbert has 43 pass attempts and we broadcast some basketball. And as an engineer, I like to do the math. You know, if you limit possessions, when you're up, you should have a better chance. And when you're down, you should be trying to have more possessions, give yourself more opportunities to get back in that game. When you're up 27 points, you know, you want to be running the ball, and, and this and this is obvious to any football fan, but you want to be running the ball and, and running down that clock, even though you're up 27. That's, you know, that seems like a lead, an insurmountable lead. And But when you're, you know, this LA Chargers team, 43 pass attempts, and you're letting that clock stop, you're giving Jacksonville the time necessary to mount this insurmountable comeback. And despite the, the four turnovers, despite the 13 carries on Eckler, which is not enough, Chargers still had a chance to win that game, and Cameron Dicker missed the field goal. So yeah. just everything going to Chargers' way in that game, and Jacksonville Jaguars still coming back with it. What a win for that franchise. And they have a good window to win. They probably still have a pretty good draft pick you know, going into next season, and they have... Well, no, Calvin Ridley's going to Atlanta, a, a team down in the southeast. But yeah, I, I I get what you're saying about running the ball when you're up 27 to nothing. But at a certain point, you can't get away from the identity of your offense that got you that lead. You know, Justin Hurt. You you can't take the ball out of Justin Herbert's hands, right? I mean, the guy the guy makes plays like a lot of the t- a, a ton of Eckler's touches have been coming in the passing game. I mean, you just let let him get out, dump down at some point. But I'm going to actually push back on that statement. Like, I, I get that you want to limit possessions, but at the same time, you also want to continue to score. And your best way of scoring is throwing the ball and using your weapons. Yeah, clearly not, because he only scored three points in that second half. Sure, I, I think sure. I, th- I think it's a different situation when you. Maybe, you know, we're watching this Bengal game if you have a player like the caliber of J.K. Dobbins, but when you have Eckler, you got to give him more touches. Yeah, I know no Mike Williams in that game, which is, you know, makes the case for even more Austin Eckler touches. 
And, you know, you can argue it all you want, but at the end of the day, that, that time of possession really hurt the Chargers down the stretch. And, you know, all the respect to Jacksonville getting it done, but the Chargers let it slip right out of their hands. And we're going to have to go into next season. You know, they didn't have Mike Williams in that game. We're going to have to hear another offseason of the, are the Chargers going to be back next season? <laughs> I've been hearing it for the last three, five seasons, especially once Herbert got into that team. And I will say, as a Washington Huskies fan, I'm not too sad to see Herbert lose, especially in that fashion. Fair. I know he's a likable guy, but at the end of the day, he still wore green and Green and gold, green and yellow, green and yellow, green and yellow, green and gold are for the owls. Hey now, uh, yeah, I, I totally get it. And where was I going with this? I have no idea. But uh, oh, mean, we, sorry, sorry. Yes, the the I mean the Chargers at the the entire off season leading up to this season, it was always the Chargers defense is going to be. Lights out, you know. They got all the they got Khalil Mack now. They got Bosa. They got Derwin James, and sure, they 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 had all these weapons on the defensive side. But when push came to shove, Brandon Staley didn't put him in the right positions. And I think it falls more on the the head coach than the DC. Yeah, you expect them to fire him. Yes, in, I do. In the next week, I do. Yeah, I do. Uh, Jim Harbaugh is in the market now. He's reported to Denver, but with the Chargers, you know, in the mix, he he used to coach for San Francisco, so that's not too far away. Right? I imagine well, they're, maybe, they're maybe contenders as well. No, I think I think not. Kingsbury is going to be the Rams OC. Think so? Yeah. Uh, I think he's much better suited for an OC role than a head coach role. I completely and, agree. And I mean, he he wasn't even good as a head coach at Texas Tech. Yeah. And then somehow he gets the Cardinals job. All he can do is win games. Le- like before December, and then his teams <laughs> fall apart. Uh, anyway, okay. Uh, the next game was the morning slot. Well, morning slot on the West Coast, uh, which was Bills Dolphins. Thirteen and a half point favorites were the Buffalo Bills without Tua playing for the Finns. But Skylar Thompson has still put together a pretty good con- performance and actually kept him in the game all the way till till the final possession. Yeah, it didn't help, you know, Skylar Thompson, who, by the way, was drafted one pick before Brock Purdy. No kidding. So, yep. Yeah, yeah, wow. So, we got, was that pick 258 and 257? Yeah. I have my math wrong there, but it doesn't help Thompson when you're running back Jeff Wilson goes for 10 carries, 23 yards. The back of Savon Ahmed, Huskies legend, goes for five carries, three yards. And, you know, you, you just have to have a glorified practice squad QB back there throw for upwards of 40 times in the game. But this, the fact that they were to keep it close, I think that, you know, if you had the bills to win the playoffs, if you made a bet on them, I think you're absolutely sweating yourself. You're absolutely doubting yourself because that should have been a three point game when you, you know, when you can stack up that box and and yeah, you, you stop the running backs, but when Skylar Thompson is still able to, you know, mount potentially a comeback lead into that game. You're going to have some question marks on both the offensive and defensive sides. Buffalo were six in yards against per game, and in and, and that game they were able to keep that yards per game low. I think they kept it under 300 that game. But you know, some some you know time of possession stats going against their way, some starting field position stats going against their way in that one. Now, Buffalo. You know, Miami defense is 18th. It was 18th mm. in yards per game last year, and they forced four fumbles against Buffalo. Yeah. They recovered three of them, yeah. but that's not a stat you like to see. And once again for Miami, no waddle for 
I, most of that first half of that game, and mm-hmm. Waddle had four targets. He had two drops yeah, that in was that bad. first half. That was and they also had three field goals, so they were able to get down the field and just weren't able to finish possessions. You know, you look at that on, on the Buffalo Bills side, you say you have a lot to work on before you head into next week, which I believe is against the winner of this game. Ravens. Potentially. Bang- the Bengals. AFC is still up in the air because, uh, yeah, AFC is still up in the air. So AFC is looking at uh, Kansas City will play Jacksonville if Cincinnati wins. But if the Ravens win, then the, the they will go to Arrowhead to, to see the Chiefs. And then the, the Bills would get uh, Jacksonville. Yeah. And, and once again, you know, like a lot of question marks on this Bills team. I like to end it by saying, you know, Josh Allen, we know that he can make a bunch of highlight reel plays and he has, you know, the arm strength, the tall frame, the speed from a quarterback position to be able to scramble and make, you know, runs and you have that QB power that he's so good at, but he does make a lot of mistakes, still misthrowing some of his good receivers when they get wide open. Uh, when they go into that next game, a lot of question marks against a much better team than when they'll be playing a true starting QB. Agreed, and and the true starting QB is is probably the most important comment that you've made because Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddle, best weapons on the Miami. They def- really weren't Miami able, offense, no question. They right? weren't able to get that open in that I, game. I'm, I'm not talking about today. Just yeah. overall, just overall, right? They had 15 combined touchdowns with Tua. They had none with Skylar Thompson or Teddy Bridgewater. None. So if you can't utilize your best weapons, this is, I mean, that's just not the the same Dolphins team. Uh, and, and let's not forget, you said they forced four fumbles, recovered three. On the season, they had a negative seven turnover margin. Yikes. And they were a as, playoff team. As uh, Huntley throws it down to Robinson. Yeah, Demarcus Robinson. Wow, I heard the Bengals coming out. My Super Bowl pick out yeah. of the AFC. Hey, now. With a chance to tie it up late into this third period. It's good for the over I got. Yeah. Every game's gone over. I mean, it's a sign. It's, it's a, it's it's a, a good sign. bet to make. You okay. go with the tide. We have to talk about, before we kind of touch on this Bengals-Ravens game that we're currently watching. My favorite game of the day. Daniel Jones and the G-Men go to Minnesota. And I, quite frankly, think they dominated them. In almost every aspect. Yeah. Daniel yeah. Jones runs for, what was it, 78 yards. He was, whoa, hello. He, he rushed for 78 yards, leading rusher, 17 carries for Daniel Jones. Also throws for 300-plus, runs one in. Saquon runs in two. I don't know. Giants defense looked pretty good, too. Shut down Justin Jefferson for the most part. And they actually spread the ball around. They really did. I was looking up the Giants receivers and all these. You know when you play Madden and you get into you know a few years into your franchise, you go into twenty twenty seven. We have one in twenty thirty one with the <laughs> yeah. Jacksonville Jaguars. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so you know those creative player names that that they got. That's exactly what the Giants receivers sound like. So they have Isaiah Hodgins, yep. Richie James, and Lawrence they have, Cager. <laughs> they have Daniel Bellinger and Lawrence. Uh, Cager is yeah, tight Lawrence end. They, they sound like creative player names. They it's really just, do. That's just awesome. They don't sound like our player name, though. You know, we have Leon Marceau. Leon Marceau. L-Y-O-N-M-A-R-C-E-A-U-X, of yeah. course. I mean, of how course. else would you spell it? Why not? He's from Baton Rouge, dude. He's French yeah, Cajun. Totally. He's French. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, okay, so how many years ago? It was four years ago that 
the OG misinterpreted podcast, we made a wager on Daniel Jones. I said he was going to make the playoffs two of his first five years. He's now one for four, and he's got one more year to prove it. Do the Giants keep him around? Because the the bet stands wherever he goes. I think you absolutely do. Daniel Jones, it took a while for him to get developed. But this year, you know, you win one playoff game with this team that barely scraped into that one of those last spots and able to beat a team that I believe was, what was their final record, like 13-4? and four? They were 13-4. and 13-4. Yes. And, and this was their first loss at home. They were 8-0 coming into today. Yeah. I mean, what a statement win by that team that can finally, you know, put that, you know, that boat pick that was taken four or five years ago. The best know. of all time? Yep. You mean? No, the the boat picks. Oh, with, I think with, with boat pick. No. Like goat, but with a B? No, no, no. The no. best of all time? The boat picks, um, you know, when they had Odell Beckham Jr., right. that, that team on there, they can finally put that to bed. Oh, so, the boat pick? Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. okay, I got it, I got it, yeah, I got it. Yeah. Yeah. They can finally put that one to bed. The curse is over. And what a team, or sorry, what a game by this Giants team. And, Able to just run the ball down this this Minnesota Vikings throw, which I think was a great game plan by Brian Dable, and he's the glue that puts this entire team together. Minnesota Vikings, a, a terrible defense, and able to exploit that that on and you know on the defensive end. I, I do have some questions still about the receivers. I know I made a joke. Ask about, them to me. What's the question? Well, I I just I just don't know if they're able to get separation, if they're able to give Jan, Daniel Jones, uh, you know enough openings to succeed against a better team, against a better defense that they will face. Like Minnesota Vikings, we know a terrible defense all throughout the season, and we're able to exploit that. 300 yards in the air is nothing mm-hmm. to, nothing to you know. And almost 150 not, on the ground. Yep. It's it's nothing to laugh at, but when you play against a team like, like the Eagles, I believe they'll be playing next. Yes. So, one of the best defenses in the NFL. We'll just have to see how that unfolds, but... I expect to see a lot more pressure on Daniel Jones, able to stack up the box team to rely on Saquon Barkley more. Barkley only nine carries in this game. I expect to see Barkley a lot more. If he's not able to take over that next game, I do see the Eagles running away with this one. So still still some question marks for the Giants, but there is light at the end of the tunnel, which is you know great to see from a team that's struggled for so long. I think Daniel Jones certainly needed a few years to mature, figure out, um, his his role and everything, but the icing on the cake and le- less the icing because I think it was more the flour that was necessary for the cake batter was the right head coach and that's Brian Dable. Yeah, I-, I think he is the sole reason that the Giants are in this. I think huge pick from Kayvon Thibodeau, Aziz Ojolari was spectacular all season long. He hardly played today though. And finally, they they just got the right guy for the job. Daniel Jones and Brian Dable are like the the new biggest dynamic duo in the New York metropolitan area since it was Javier Baez since and Francisco Robert, Lindor. Since it was Robert Sala and Zach Wilson. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You see, Zach yes. Wilson's stats are worse than. Um, they're worse than Jamarcus Russell. Goodness gracious. Yeah, worse passer rating, um, le- fewer touchdowns, more interceptions. If you're worse than the biggest bust in history, yeah. it's not a good sign. 
And going Not back to call, I see a lot of Will Levis and Zach Wilson too, or a lot of Zach Wilson and Will Levis. Yikes! So, I mean, they're they're very similar players. You know, we're talking about the NFL right now, so don't want to talk about college too much. But we're talking about two players that underperform at the college level, but have the you know the physical tools to be yes. successful. Yep. And Josh Allen's at the other end of that spectrum that has been successful with the tools and has grown into that. Daniel Jones as well. So Ryan, we're we're watching. Ravens, Bengals. Okay, no Lamar Jackson, which is a whole other story that we don't have to dive fully into this time. But you're seeing another backup quarterback in in Huntley, the same way you saw Skylar Thompson do it earlier today. That's hanging with one of the front runners. Yeah, they're I, they're keeping their team in it. I truly, there's no words for this. If there's any home run game for a money line, I would have chosen this one mm-hmm. for this week. Outside of the 49ers, I would say, if I was going to be honest. Yeah. But I I just don't know how Joe Burrow in that electric offense only scores 17 points through three quarters. Yeah, it's just not. And they have a great defense, too. And so 17 points against, uh, you know, Huntley is, that's just, you, you can't expect that uh, out of that defense and this quarterback who is, Hasn't played much this season, right? Yeah. Well, I still need more points. I need. I need how many points? Eight, you eight need, more points. So I need a touchdown and a field goal, or 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 a two point conversion. I don't think anyone's going for two. You, ne- you, you never well, know. I we'll have to see. You never know. I mean, the Jacksonville Jaguars went for two yesterday. That's true. When they went for twenty that's to twenty eight, which that's that's yeah. a Doug Peterson move yeah, right there. <laughs> very, very much is. Very much is. Okay. Looking looking forward to. Tomorrow, the final game in the NFC, the Cowboys and the Bucks. Hard to root against Tom Brady, but borderline harder to root against the Dallas defense. Yeah. Well, I think America will find it very easy to root against the Cowboys. <laughs> yeah. If they're being I, realistic. I think a lot is, a lot of people root against Tom Brady, too. This is like yeah, the battle of the nemesis. Of, of the haters. <laughs> of the haters. <laughs> so so I, I did read a stat that Tom Brady has never lost against the Cowboys in his lifetime. He is 7-0 is is oh. against the Cowboys all time. If there was any game where that were to happen, it would be against the Cowboys. Like I said, my Super Bowl pick, mm-hmm. and that was a heat of the moment pick. I didn't have time <laughs> to think about it. I didn't want to go a team like the 49ers right. or, or, you know, or the number one seed, the, the Eagles. Okay, so this is the biggest question for me in this game. How much importance do you place on surface? Like grass like, or like turf? Grass versus turf. Because... The Bucks have, I mean, their their records don't say how dangerous this team can be. Any Tom Brady-led team is going to be dangerous, especially in the playoffs. But the Cowboys are 1-4 and four on grass. So they're going to have to go to Tampa Bay with all that humidity in Raymond James Stadium. And I don't know, do they have that that upper echelon speed level threat that they've thrived on on the defensive side of the ball all season long, does that carry over to grass? I I don't know. I don't know. I know grass is a safer surface to, to play on injury-wise, but I also think it, it just slightly takes that edge off of a defense, off of a pass rush. Yeah, you're, you're asking the wrong guy. As, you're you not know, a groundskeeper? Well, you know, I definitely missed the opportunity for that, maybe a future career. But living in the Pacific Northwest, we have a ton of turf. So you, you and me are, are very used to that growing up playing baseball and, and for me, soccer even, on mostly on turf. Um, 
Yeah, I don't know. This game is going to be... You asked about the things on their defense. I think this game comes down to Dak Prescott. The the amount of money on him for more than half of an interception on DraftKings. Yeah. There's more money on that bet than his passing yards, over and passing yards, passing touchdowns, and rushing yards combined. Wow. So... If you're looking to make a bet, Cowboys money line, you probably have a pretty good edge there. It's not bad on, value based on the money that is on the Bucks right now. Let's see. Let's see what we got. Do you know the line off the top of your head here? I do not. No, it is Dallas minus two and a half. Mm. So I think that I mean value has got to be in the Bucks. No, the val- value, home value team. Might be with the Tom Bucks. Brady in the playoffs on a grass surface. I think value is there. Value is there. I think so. I think plus two and a half. I, I even think that you know the Cowboys could squeak by with this one. There's been a lot of close games in this. So at any time when you go um, for the underdog and you're able to shave a couple of points away on a loss, I think is is value betting. Betting. We see seventeen seventeen. That's what I did with the Giants. Yep. I mean, has, has there been any game outside of the Niners game decided by less than three points? That Giants game was was three points, correct? Uh, Giants game was Giants game was a, th- a seven point win, ah. so it was 49ers by eighteen, Jags by one, Bills by three, Giants by seven. I think Bucks are a great value here, even I though com- even though yeah. I think the Cowboys will still probably win that game. I, I think their defense is just too good, and you know Tampa Bay hasn't shown enough throughout the season to to really justify beating that good of a team that has had some hiccups along the way. But ultimately, you see talent on both sides of the football. If, if if Mike McCarthy is able to get his shit together, run the ball with Tony Pollard a lot, give Dak Prescott the you know the time and the opportunities that he needs to throw to guys like Ceedee Lamb, I think they'll be very successful against you know against this Bucks team that has struggled in the worst division in the entire NFL. Yeah, I've I've got Bucks in it. I think it's a, I think it's the smart play. All right, think I'll, t- I'll take Cowboys. Okay, you want to put fifteen uh, on both sides? Sure. Put it right there. Right on. Fantastic. A little friendly wager. A little. Uh, that's, a, that's a handshake bet right there. Okay. That's how it's yeah. done. Yeah, we don't need to shave no. off for the house. No, we don't. Yep. Yeah. Sure. Love it. All right. Uh, that is Super Wild Card Weekend. Can't wait for the divisional round. Absolutely. Oh, yeah, uh, f- only a few more weeks left. Yeah. Divisional round and first guest of the year, LMA Powell, coming up on episode eight. But we appreciate you joining us here for episode seven. That's Ryan. I'm Tellier. We'll see you next time. Oh, really? That's how you feel. And the guys are like, asking all them questions. Asking all them questions. Why you asking all them questions? Making statements. Uh,